And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Welcome to My Public Life as an American Nerd. I am your host, David K. Montoya. All right, gang, we are here. It is Wednesday, and I am alive. Yep, that's pretty much it. Have a great night. See you later. That's the end of the show. No, not really. (laughs) I would would get a, a plethora of angry listeners that would be like, nope, 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 nope. Gotta have my nerd news. It's uh, it's funny, you know. I did something that I very rarely do. Um, one of my things with coming back to podcasting was I wasn't going to focus on the numbers. That was something that really was more important to me at the end of the podcast, the first session. Um, Actually, it was the second session. This is this is actually our third attempt at podcasting, the podcasting network. Um, this is... I always pride myself as someone who learns from my mistakes. And one of my biggest problems is I have a tendency to live in the past. I know I do. But... You know, I'm also a firm believer of don't fix if it's not broken. And the formula that we had in the original 2012 to 2016 JASO Modcast worked wonderfully. Unfortunately, you know, two of the main podcasters that ran with the network are no longer alive. And that kind of makes it an issue. And then, you know, I dropped off the face of the planet for a while. We came back uh, in 2016, like July, it was July 2016. And I just, I got caught up in the numbers. And I was just like, oh, you know, I don't want to do this. And people were getting crappy because their numbers weren't high enough. And I tried to explain this is how it works. And it was like we were into it like two months, and I was like, forget it. Just forget it. It's not even worth my time. Then we enter 2018, and I had stopped everything for two years, mainly focused on my health and my family. And mentally, I feel like I was in the right place at the right time. But when I came back into us, I, I said, I am not going to let the numbers dictate if I'm going to record or not. Um, and I was just curious because I, I noticed that we, were, we always tease amongst the, the network is because no matter what, you know, it was like <laughs> we could put it out, like put a, a, an episode out five seconds later, we look at it and there's a specific number of plays It's like instantly and i'm like okay so you know last episode obviously i was late so i i wanted to see if there was any type of fluctuation in the numbers 
so I, I kind of paid the 99 cents to look at the numbers. And it was very humbling. It was very, especially for me, because I am somebody, and I've said this many, many, many times, and I'll continue to say it. I am nobody special. I say nothing that's special. You, it's, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm just Dave. And when I, I saw the numbers, it was very, very humbling. So sincerely, sincerely, thank you for even, even just coming in once a week and listening to me talk about nerdy stuff. I live uh, a very hectic life, a really hectic life, to be honest with you. And this is my time to breathe. It's, it's my time to be Dave. A lot of people know Business Dave. You know, a lot of people know Writer Dave or Artist Dave or Podcaster Dave. But this is me. This is who I am. Reality is, is that I'm very kooky. I'm very silly. I'm very witty. And sometimes that slips out here because I keep myself refined to the public image you know, because, and again, I, and I don't talk about these things, but it's, it's a reality that I own a company that I started when I was 13 years old. I'm 43 years old. I've been running a business for 30 years. And yes, I'm not a millionaire. I, I can sit here and say I'm not a millionaire, but I have accomplished almost every single one of my dreams that's better than money to me it is so i digress and i wanted to open this show heartfelt because <laughs> you're listening and it is sincerely humbling and now i know that the other podcasters are going to want me to spend the money to pay the <laughs> So they can see the numbers too. But um, I was just curious because I'm not like either show. You know, the World of Myth Bits have been on for 103 weeks. And then with Lupa, Stephanie Barty, Lupa's Bits, she pulled her audience from Myth Bits to start Lupa's Bits. I'm just Dave. I do this. 26 weeks a year to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm done. That's it. I'm out. Peace. See you in six months. And then I come back. But for some reason, uh, and, and God only knows why, because I honestly don't, you guys come back. And I, I, I get it. You know, it's a trickle in. Oh, he's back. Okay, let's see what he's going to complain about this time. Which brings me to my second topic. And I, I don't know if you've noticed this, this particular season, I haven't complained about a single thing. I have not complained about a single thing. And the reason why is I'm literally putting in the extra time and effort to find something that makes me smile. Because though... In my head, more more so like last season, 
I found things that would, you know, trigger me. And that's why I talked about them because I knew that as soon as I started talking about them, I was going to get really pissy about it and it would be good audio listening, right? But by the time we got to December, I was so fried from podcasting. I was fried with the media and the entertainment center because all I did was specifically focus on things that would trigger me. So from now to maybe here on out, I will find things that I enjoy talking about. Now, yes, I will talk about things with the X-Men because number one, I've been an X-Men since, or I've been an X-Men fan since 1987. That's how long I've been an X-Men fan. So it's, and I was explaining this online is, uh, I'm not a toxic fan. I'm a passionate fan. We can have a civil conversation. But when that passion turns to anger, that's when I back away. So with that being said, I will tackle an X-Men topic. In fact, we're talking about X-Men tonight. So I don't know. I do not know what, because I didn't get a chance to, to sit down and, and do a pre-scan. So I'm going in cold. Because quite literally, as soon as I got, I was like, okay, kid number one's asleep, kid number two's asleep, kid number three's asleep, let's get this bad boy going. So that's just as far as I got. Um, so there is a possibility that I still might rant about the X-Men or rant about comic books because that's my passion. That's where my lo my road to creativity Oh, this is that that's that's the name of this episode. My road to the creativity. That's where it began is with comic books and the X-Men. So I might see something that really just like and I and I'll I'll talk about it. But as far as like finding topics that will set me off within the movie, the TV show, the cartoon, or well, not even so much Toy of the Week. Toy of the Week's never set me off. It's always been kind of fun to go search and find something and, and seeing if I can get somebody's reaction. One of these days, I'm going to email them and say, Hey, are, <laughs> are you getting uh, you know, a surge of buys you know, like between Monday and Thursday? Or not Monday and Thursday, Wednesday and Thursdays? You know? But um, I just wanted to start the show that way because... Again, I don't think of myself special. I just, I get up, I groan, I have my caffeine, and I get on with life like everybody else. So to the ones that think I am and tune in every single week, thank you sincerely from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. All right, enough with that mush. The mush. <laughs> Let's get into the reason why we're even here. Now, if you are brand new and this is your first episode, oh my God, I am so sorry. You just sat through what? 11 minutes of me yammering? You're like, why am I listening to this? Uh, trust me, I'll make it worth your while. All right, but seriously, um, if you are brand new to the show, welcome to My Public Life as an American Nerd. And what we do here is we get together every Wednesday, typically, and we look at all the nerd news. 
Uh, and like I just said, non-triggering nerd news. Well, I try to anyway. And what we do is we cover one movie news, one television show, one cartoon, one comic, and then I send you home with Toy of the Week. And I... <laughs> I, <laughs> I can't wait for Toy of the Week. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. And it is going to be fun. We're going to have a fun show. We're going to have a really fun show tonight. Uh, for my younger listeners, they probably won't get that reference, but it's okay. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump into topic number one. Now, one of the things that I, I rarely talk about. Now, if, if there's somebody that follows me from like, um, seeing red when I did seeing red, they they know that I'm a Kevin Smith fan, and surprisingly enough, this is kind of how the podcasting even came about. And it wasn't like I was trying to emulate Kevin Smith; it was just something that um, he was doing that I really wasn't following until I started doing it myself, and I got into it. And let's see, where do I, okay, let me back up, back up. So Kevin Smith, I've, well, I remember seeing Clerks in 1994. Um, and I was, what, 17, 18, 17, I think, in 84, 94, 94. And um, then... I kind of forgot about them. And it was in 2000 that my best friend Russo, Alan Russo, he's like, hey, have you ever seen Kevin Smith movies? I'm like, there's more than one movie? You know, how did, how did you achieve that after Clerks? No, not really. I like Clerks. But, um, yeah, you know, obviously he did. And one of the things, well, his second runner-up to the movie that Russo actually introduced me to was Mallrats. Well, just so happens Mallrats turns 25 this week. And Kevin Smith, while I will openly publicly admit that I have not listened to one of his podcasts in a very, 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 very long time, um, I guess revealed on one of his podcasts the topic of today's, well, topic. <laughs> And it says, <clears throat> Kevin Smith reveals everyone who returns for Twilight of the Mallrats. Yay. Because, now, let's see, 2017? 16, 17, somewhere in there? I remember him talking about it. He was, And he was trying to get it greenlit with Universal, because technically... Universal owns the rights to Mallrats. So let's see what it says. Fans can expect all their favorite characters from the 1995 Mallrats to return for Twilight of the Mallrats, according to Kevin Smith. And again, Dave Montoya says, Yay! The upcoming Mallrats sequel, Twilight of the Mallrats will feature every cast member from the 1995 cult classic film. Everybody comes back, Kevin Smith said. 
when he was asked by comicbook.com if Jeremy London's T.S. Quint would appear in the sequel. T.S. has a really like part to it. I'm very happy with T.S.'s part too. Now, I don't know if... Uh, okay. Because the way I'm reading this, there seems like there's some missing words. And, it's, you know, at the end it says, I'm very happy with T.S.'s part two. Now, that could be T.S.'s part two of the story because it is spelt T.W.O. Or whoever wrote this just put T.W.O. instead of T.O.O. I don't know. We'll have to see. The director went on to point out that while Stan Lee recently passed away, there will be a scene in Twilight of the Mallrats that pays tribute to the deceased comic book legends. Well, yeah, that, that does not surprise me whatsoever, to be honest with you. In addition to returning cast members, Twilight of the Mallrats, I don't know, I just kind of like saying it in that voice, coming this summer... In a small town in New Jersey, they're getting ready to close all the malls. Kevin Smith, Jason Mewes, Twilight of the Mallrats. Rated NC-17. <laughs> Alright, well, let's see what it has to say. In addition to returning cast members, Twilight of the Mallrats added Apina Bell as Brody's daughter. Okay. Uh, she recently appeared in Smith's film Jane Silent Bob Reboot as the character Jahad. Ah, yeah, I remember that. That was a great character. Um, <clears throat> meanwhile, Many plots detail haven't been released about Mallrat sequel, though Kevin Smith has said that it will involve an ongoing coronavirus pandemic. Ha! And I was joking about that. I didn't even look at that when I was doing the, the you know, the, the summer movie guy. It says, written and directed by and starring Kevin Smith. Twilight of the Mallrats, also starring Jason Lee, Jeremy London, Shannon Doherty, Claire Frelani, Jason Mewes, Joey Lauren Allams, Michael Rooker, Renee Humphrey, Ethan Supel, and Seven Old Thorson. The film has yet to receive a release date. That's pretty cool, gang. You know, because... Uh, I don't know. I now don't get me wrong. I enjoyed the the horror aspect of Kevin Smith, and I am looking forward to Moose Jaws if he ever gets to finishing his Great White North trilogy. Um, but this is Kevin Smith to me, and I've always said that. Even with how much I enjoyed Red State, I I really. I think his flair for comedy. And, well, number one, that proves, see, I'm not that big of a prude because I like Kevin Smith comedy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, 
It's funny. And you... Unfortunately, I see a lot of people are going to uh, get turned off by it because it is so not politically correct. Um, but you know what? That's that's on them. Because if you walk away not enjoying a Kevin Smith movie, I'm sorry, that's on you. Because Kevin Smith teaches you, don't take life so seriously because it's a short ride. And I, I for one, am, am sincerely looking forward to sitting down and seeing Jay and Silent Bob come back one more time. And, you know, even though he's a skinny vegan now, bring it on. Why not? You know, we all make changes in life. We're human beings. We're adaptable. So, I'm, I'm ready for it. Bring on Twilight of the Mall Rats. Coming soon. That was my best Morgan Freeman voice, by the way. <laughs> okay, speaking of voices... Remember when uh, James Earl Jones was that one popular voice? You know which one I'm talking about. The mouse owns him now. Luke. I am your father. Yes, I am seriously breaking out my, uh, my uh, <laughs> voiceover skills here. But, uh, let's see, why did I set that up? Oh, yes, because my next one it has to do with Star Wars. That's how I was going to segue it. Uh, yeah, because, you know, James Earl Jones was the voice of Darth Vader, who is Luke Skywalker's father, in Star Wars. And why do I bring this up? Because The Mandalorian Season 2 new footage may explain Boba Fett's rumored role. Yay! You know, think about, uh... Oh, let's see what's a good one. <gasps> oh, yeah. Kermit, Kermit the Frog here. You know, and when he's like, Yay! That's, that's, yeah, that's me, literally me. Yay! Dude, I'm so happy I hit this in the, the mic stand. <laughs> uh, now, because... The Boba Fett, last time we saw Boba Fett was at the end of Return of the Jedi when he fell into the Sylac pit. And, yeah, so he didn't die. And, uh, actually, he, uh, what had happened was is that he was getting ready to blast Han Solo. No, he was getting blast Luke Skywalker. And because... Luke was fighting the bad guys. Han couldn't see. He had a staff. And yeah, this is how I tell you how nerd I am. I'm literally re bringing back the whole scene in my head. Chewbacca was standing next to Han Solo, who had a staff. And he went, you know, the... No, I can't do... Sorry, I can't do Chewie. And he's like, what? Boba Fett? And he turns and he hits Boba Fett's back of his blaster... And Boba Fett just, like, shoots up like a rocket. And then he falls down into the pit towards the Sarlacc. Yeah. Yep. That's how it played out, folks. Why? Because it's stuck in the nerd brain. 
See, you have the science brain, the math brain, the creative brain. Back here, you have the nerd brain. Just saying. All right. I am very talkative tonight, and I don't know why. Maybe because it is already midnight. Um, it, like I said earlier, it took a while for the kids to go to sleep. Okay, let me jump back into this. Mandalorian Season 2's new footage may explain Boba Fett's rumored role. The new teaser for Season 2 of Mandalorian provides a clue as to why the bounty hunter will cross paths with Boba Fett. Oh, <laughs> oh that just makes my nerd heart happy. You, don't have, you, have, you guys have no clue. Actually, I know a couple people, and if Greg listens to this show... He's he's probably having a nerdgasm right now. All right, let's see what this bad boy says. <clears throat> the Mandalorian returns for a second season later this month on Disney Plus, and it's bringing new mysteries with it. Fortunately, fans won't have to wait long for answers, as the newly released sneak peek puts one of those mysteries front and center. The location of the rest of the Mandalorians. Casting announcements have provided some clues as to how the group will come to play. But one announcement may be more tantalizing of all. Tamora Morrison is confirmed to appear as Boba Fett, paving the way for the character to play a critical role in Season 2. Boba Fett's fate is still one of the most intrigued bits of Star Wars lore. During the opening of Return of the Jedi, the attempt rescue of Han Solo leads to a brawl on Jabba the Hutt's Sky, sky Skiff. A half-blind Han accidentally knocks the bounty hunter into the Sarlacc pit, waiting Billy during the conflict. Leaving the Bonnie Hunter presumed dead. Yes, I did just say that. Out of memory. In the expended universe, Boba Fett became the only person to survive the Sarlocks or the Sarlock digestive system. He was originally brought back in the popular Dark Horse comics Arc Star Wars Dark Empire. The shortly after the trilogy trilogy of novels called Bounty Hunter Wars, written by K.W. Jeter, went on to explain how he put himself off the escape. Unfortunately, with much of the EU stuck in canon, the story of how the infamous Bounty Hunter survived has become a legend, too. However, with the casting of Tamura... And the fate of the Mandalorians at stake, there may be more Boba stories to tell. And along with the finally deciding that if the bounty hunter did cheat death on Tatooine, it feels like it's necessary for the show to tackle whether Boba ever was recognized as a Mandalorian or if he was just merely a bounty hunter who claimed an unearned legacy for himself. While George Lucas originally conceived the Mandalorians as a race, and before the Empire's final assault 
They often stayed close to home and tightly knitted society of clans. The Mandalorians have made its stance on this issue clear. Sometimes, before the Great Plague, the Mandalorians stalked their claims firmly as a creed rather than a race. Protection of the next generation has become central to the group's survival, meaning there is room for someone like Boba to join the ranks. After the Empire's attack on the Mandalore, allies for the displaced warriors would be critical and far between. Whatever Boba once was, he did attempt to carry himself like a Mandalorian. In their honor of need, they might have been a clan ready to give him a chance to prove himself in exchange for the warrior's capability he would provide for them. In the end... Boba Fett carries with him a gigantic legacy with huge fans of Star Wars. If he's still around for Din to find, that legacy comes with him. His infamy as a bounty hunter, his knowledge of the Sith, his personal face-off with one of the last remaining Jedi in the galaxy, Luke Skywalker. All of this alone would be a boon for Din Djurin, or, yes, even the possible threat. However, it's also equally possible, in a series that often talks about choices and redemption, that it will be Boba that hands Din the keys to finding the child's Jedi family. Yes, 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 please. Oh, it doesn't say when. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yes, that sounds absolutely amazing. Um, you know, because they're going to... There's rumor. This has been rumor for a while now that they were going to have a Boba Fett movie. A standalone. A Boba Fett movie, and then one about... Um, uh, ben Kenobi and um, yeah I, I don't know if it was before Obi-Wan becomes a Jedi but I know he's supposed to have one here soon that's the last I heard so very cool stuff I look forward to it you know things like that make me feel like a kid just you know reflecting back because I think everybody at one point it would be I don't know how to explain it. I think moving forward, I think everybody's memory of Star Wars currently, especially in this generation, um, my generation and forward, Gen Xers and forward, uh, probably seen it as children. So they have a childhood fondness of Star Wars. And I think that's one reason why it's so popular too. It's because when you think about it, and you think about scenes from the movie, you, you're instantly back in that age, you know, the seven, eight, eight, you know, nine-year-old era of life. I don't know. It's just, I don't. I, I can't explain it. Speaking of, you know, things that will take you back to when you were a child. Um, while I was in my mid to late teens when it came out, or at least when I discovered it, um, I always thought that Darkwing Duck was a, a fun now a fun story that 
was uh, let's see I'm trying to think of how I, I can kind of entwine it okay um, back in 1989 I moved down I was down uh, closer to, to LA in that area and it was a bad place it was a bad neighborhood back in 1989 you can only imagine what it is now uh, my family and I we moved up to here where's what is called the high desert and back then there was hardly anything and everybody had literally antenna and even with antenna you got one television station which was channel 64 khiz now when you get out of school they planted a handful of different you know disney cartoons and one of those disney cartoons was darkwing duck and I don't know, I just grew up until, you know, the the town that we lived in grew in size and we actually got cable, you know, every day for at least like two or three years, I watched Duck, or yeah, Ducklings, or not Duckling, good grief, I watched, uh, I, I was thinking Darkwing and DuckTales. <laughs> okay, well, that brings me into my next topic as we take a look at cartoons. <clears throat> now, my kids enjoy the the remake. Uh, I I really haven't given it that much thought, um, just because I'm I know in my head what the characters originally sound like, and uh, it didn't really. There, there's a new diff. There's a a new voice pattern to everybody. They don't sound like the old ones. They didn't base their cast when they they hired the actors to sound like the old actors. They wanted to sound like a specific range of what they had in their head. So I have a hard time getting into it. But that's, you know, splitting hairs, I guess. Especially to a 43-year-old man who still watches cartoons from time to time. Okay, it says, DuckTales, Darkwing's Showcase, introduces another classic Disney character. A surprising Disney animation star makes a cameo appearance during Darkwing's spotlight two-parter of DuckTales. Now, that's convenient because, I, what do they call it? Duckwing? <laughs> that, that works, yeah. Okay. Alright, I gotta give you my first spoiler or spoiler of the evening. Which is kind of interesting since uh, we're almost finished with the the podcast. But here we go. <clears throat> My best warning voice. Warning. The following contains spoilers for DuckTales Season 3, Episode 12. Let's get dangerous. Which aired Tuesday on Disney XD and Disney Now. I don't know if they say it like that. I just felt like it was necessary. Okay, it says, A lot of classic Disney characters, both fan favorites and obscure deep cuts, have appeared or have been referenced in the current DuckTales series. And that doesn't change in the latest episode of the series. During the two-part Let's Get Dangerous, plenty of characters from Darkwing Duck 
make their modern debut. But Sumdo, the star of the entirely different animated series, you ready for this? Bonkers. Do you remember Bonkers? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I. Mm, okay, who is Bonkers, you ask? Bonkers premiered in 1993 and focused on Bonkers D. Bodcat, a goofy cartoon star. When he's fired from his lucrative position at the Wacky Toon Studios, Bonker ends up accidentally making a name for himself by saving Donald Duck from a mugging and giving a position as a police officer in the Hollywood Police Department's newly addition, the Toon Division. Working with his two different partners over the course of the series, Toon Viserri, Lucky Prequel, and by the book Miranda Wright, Bonkers may be too energetic and inexperienced to be controlled, but his knowledge of tunes make him surprisingly valuable as an officer. This series largely focused on slapstick adventures of Bonkers as he tried to help fight crime in Los Angeles, California, and navigate relationships with his former co-stars. Okay. The DuckTales incarnation of the characters turn out not to be from Los Angeles, but instead an officer of St. Canard, the city protected by Darkwing Duck. Tasked with taking down the hero's villain when they escape thanks to the efforts of the reality-bending Ramrod. In the episode, Vonkers endures all the attacks of the four villains, Megavolt, Quackjack, Bushroot, and the Liquidator, as they rampage. The cameo itself happens as Darkwing catches security footage of the villains attacking the city, with each assault being targeted against Bonkers, and the slapstick Bobcat walking off every injury. That's Yeah, that's Bonkers. Don't quite look like them. But animation nowadays don't look like the animation I had back when I was a kid. But yeah, that's bunkers. Okay. DuckTales has been finding new and surprising ways to re-co-textile Disney classic elements and characters, especially in the current airing third season. This ranges from new origins for the Rescue Rangers to reinvention of the Python Bolt. While Bunkers doesn't have any real input impact on the episode or the rampage of the Darkwing Duck villain, it's still fun to see a cameo that confirms Bonkers has a role in the series. There's also no indication of this version of Bonkers being a former cartoon star, though that could still be the case. If more Darkwing Duck adventures are shown in the show, there could be more room for Bonkers to appear in again perhaps even as an ally to Darkwing, in the way akin the relationship between Batman and Jim Gordon. If nothing else, Bunker's appearance is a fun and unexpected cameo for one of the more undervalued corners of the era of the Disney animation. New episodes of DuckTales airs Monday on Disney XD and Disney Now. Okay, that was more from uh, 
Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I want it, and I want it now. Violet was her name. Okay, now, here we go. We are jumping into the comic book point of this review, or this episode. Um, it's X-Men. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's pretty much what I'm going to tell you, is it's X-Men. And I don't know what it is. The artwork looks gorgeous. And it's more about the X of Swords that we talked about uh, yay, Saturday. And so it all kind of ties in still. But we'll find out if I go on a rant. Which we hope not because we're already at the 40 minute mark. Okay, here we go. Logan. Wolverine. Just proved that he's more powerful than death. Again. That's the way it's written, too. Again. In the X of Swords crossover, Wolverine recovers from injuries that should have been fatal. And is this isn't the first time he's overpowered death. Now, reading that. If you're an X-Men fan and this comes across really boring, I apologize. Just throwing that out there. Okay, here we go. I gotta I gotta give you a, a little The following article contains spoilers for Wolverine number six by Benjamin Percy, Victor Bogdansvik, Matthew Wilson, and VC Corey Petit. On sale now. Now! Sorry. No matter how much of the beatings he takes, Wolverine is one mutant who just keeps coming back. In the latest issue of Exoswords Crossover, the feral mutant falls into the fiery pits of hell where only his metal skeleton claws out of the steaming lava. Yet... This is not the first time the hero has used his healing powers to come back from such extreme injuries. Oh, okay. Okay, I was about to say it, but uh, here's the next part. I was about to say, hey, now, that almost sounds like a ripoff, but okay. It says it in the next paragraph. In Chris Claremont, which is... The reason why I'm a writer, Chris Claremont, just saying. In Chris Claremont and Alan Davis's Uncanny X-Men Annual number 11 in 1987. Well, look at that. The same year I became an X-Men fan. Well, golly. No, I don't think anybody's going to get the Gomer Pyle impersonation either. Well, <laughs> golly. Say I'm ugly and beat me with the stick. Or something like that. I don't know. Uh, it's getting late and I'm getting tired. Okay, let me jump into this. Okay, so in Chris Claremont's and Alan Davis's Uncanny X-Men Annual, number 11 in 1987, the otherworldly villain appears in X-Men Mansion in the middle of the night. 
The alien, named Horde, transports the team to another world where he reveals that he too is a mutant, but the power of the X-Men can do nothing to hurt him. After the team desperately tries to take him out to no avail, Horde tells him he has a mission they must complete. They stand in front of the Cathedral of Light and Shadow, and inside rests the power crystal of the ultimate vision that must be referenced for hordes, or retrieved for hordes, evil use. And then uh, there's a, a cool picture of, uh, oh, I, I know Alan Davis's artwork a mile away. That's him, classic Wolverine. He, uh, old school Wolverine, kind of the way that we grew up with, the way he looked. <clears throat> and he's like, give me significant power. My entire body could be rejuvenated from a genetic data encode in a single cell or drop of blood. That's my Wolverine impression. The X-Men travel inside, but find the mysterious cathedral a place of hidden traps. Each hero comes face to face with a deeply personal dream or fear that pulls them from the mission at hand. As Wolverine nears the place of the crystal, he becomes trapped in his deadliest dream, married to his lost love, Mariko. Before finally giving in to the realistic illusion, Wolverine is able to shatter the room and break free. I have that comic book. I sincerely have that comic book in the garage right now. I seriously do. <clears throat> that is really cool that it's being referenced because I know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. Right before Wolverine reaches the crystal, Horde sneaks up from behind and impales him with a javelin. The Wolverine, With Wolverine down, Horde is able to literally rip the heart from Wolverine's chest, saying he wanted to keep it as a trophy. As Wolverine is killed, one drop of blood splattered on the crystal of the ultimate vision. Immediately, DNA spirals with the blood, quickly building a nervous system and a brain and flesh and blown. I remember that. Horde was shocked, thinking he had killed Wolverine, and Wolverine is surprised himself. He realizes that his healing abilities are in every cell of his body. His power can pull him back from almost injury. As long as he is connected to a visible source of power with it, the case of the crystal. And as soon as every drop of blood touches it, his healing ability were activated. Okay, so, okay. That's wicked. There's a, a picture. It's almost reminiscent of um, T2, where instead of the Terminator being lowered into the vat of molted metal... It's Wolverine's adamantium skeleton. His skull is coming up out of, like, lava. And it's really, really cool. I'll find out. See if it tells me who. Uh, well, wait. Up here, right? Uh, let me go back up here. That is the work of Victor Bogdansevich. 
I apologize if I'm slaughtering his name, but that is some really cool work. This idea still holds up in the current X of Swords story arc. In Wolverine number 6, Wolverine goes to Japan in the effort to locate his sword for the upcoming battle against Children of Apocalypse. His, request, or his quest is to find the sword master Muramura. You know the sad part is, is I actually know somebody who is named this. It's a tongue twister, Murumasa, who is currently in hell. And hey, why not? Falling into the pits, the flesh is burned off of Wolverine's body. His metallic skeleton pulled itself free to rebuild Wolverine back to his former self. Again, in the battle against the Horde, Wolverine's healing power is a yeah, Wolverine's healing powers are able to rebuild from almost anything. The cells trapped in the adamantium metal were able to spark back to life and reform Wolverine in hell, just as a single drop of blood did back when he fought Horde. All of this provides that Wolverine is one of the toughest and most resilient characters in the Marvel Universe. Death itself cannot claim himself, cannot claim him as long as a single cell of his body is still willing to fight. Okay, I will say that's cool. That's cool. It was a, it was a very cool homage back to, uh, you know, old school X Men. So yeah, what is that? Thirty eighty seven. What is that? Thirty four years ago, roughly. That is that is really cool. Okay, now. Comes my favorite part of the evening. Now, this week, we are staying true to October being Halloween month. You know, the month of Halloween, whatever. And we have been watching scary movies and, you know, enjoying that whole horror festive thing that that is October. So, I decided all this month, I will be going and picking toy of the week specifically based on horror films now this week surprisingly this week is not a mecca or NECA toy this is from SD toys and I know people that are sincerely traumatized by this uh, what they did, and it's absolutely gorgeous. It is gorgeous. Um, it is a Jaws 3D poster diorama. What they did is they took the original Jaws poster and they made it 3D. They turned it into a diorama. It is so cool. So you see Jaws coming up from the bottom as it's encased in, in you know, a, a watery-looking substance, and you see the person on top swimming right under Jaws. And then, of course, it sets on a, a black base with the yellow jaws. Yeah, that is really cool. Let's see. No, that's it. That's all they give you. They only give you one picture. Okay, let's hit you with some product description. The famous posters comes to life as a unique collectible 3D diorama. Celebrating the 45th anniversary of the iconic Jaws film, 
This diorama stands about 12 inches tall and features a blue translucent material so that can be viewed from all angles. Product features. It's 12 by 5 by 7 inches. Or, for you Canadian folk, it's 30.5 centimeters by 12.7 centimeters by 17.8 centimeters. Based on the original Jaws movie. 3D diorama of movie poster. Celebrating the 45 anniversary of Jaws. The box contains 3D Jaws poster diorama. Now, one of the things, and I say this every single week, is I always pick a um, a pre-order because whether you listen to it on you listen to this show on the 21st or you listen to it on the weekend of the 20 what is it 20 well, that would be the 24th and if you're on the 24th you better be you know reading the world of myth just saying and i always do that for anybody that catches this late that wants to enjoy this show or enjoy the show enjoy the product they still have the same amount of time and opportunity that you guys have right now listening on the 21st so a little bit of pre-note a pre-order note here arrival date is an estimate and not guaranteed no payment is due until product is available to ship item may not or, excuse me, the item may be canceled anytime before payment is due. And of course, as always, we always give you what we got for the price. And this bad boy, because it is a diorama, so it is a little costly. Not as bad as last week's, but this week's kind of expensive. It's $59.99. And it is expected to arrive fourth quarter of 2020. And, of course, like always, I go to www.BigBadToyStore and type in Jaws 3D Poster Diorama by SD Space Toys, and it will take you right where I'm at looking at it, and that gives you an opportunity to get it signed. And if you're in the high desert, who knows? We might have uh, Carl Gottlieb here this time next year for Scarefair. We'll see what happens. Hopefully Corona's gone and we can get back to throwing some conventions. All right, gang. I want to thank you so much for coming in this week. It was a blast. Um, I just I was in a goofy mood. I was feeling silly. I kind of wanted to show everybody that's that's kind of my actual personality. I'm just I'm not always somebody with you know a, a stick up their butt. I, I'm I'm I do have a personality. I'm funny. I think I think I'm funny, but I am tired and I'm tripping over my words. So for this week for my public life as an American nerd, I am David K Montoya, and as always, I bid you adieu.